Welcome to LA Radio Sessions. I'm your host, Mike Stark. LA Radio Sessions, it's where we explore all areas of pop culture. Bill Deal was an anchor and reporter at ABC News Radio for almost five decades. He's documented his life in entertainment news in his book, Stay Tuned, My Life Behind the Mic. Over his career, he's interviewed some of the biggest names in showbiz and covered all major award shows. Bill is now in his 80s and is still doing some limited reporting for ABC Radio. I was fortunate enough to work as an engineer for Bill on some of the West Coast award shows in the 80s and 90s, where he would work the red carpet, then join me backstage to file reports to live newscasts on several of the ABC Radio News services coming out of the network's New York studios. Bill joins me via Zoom. Great to talk to you, my friend. Let's go back to the beginning. Where were you born and where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in upstate New York, uh, a little town called Corning, New York, where they make the glass. Uh, The Corning Glass Factory is there and so forth. But I loved radio from the very beginning. I even built a little crystal set, if you remember those. Sure. And uh, I, I loved being able to hear these stations. Uh, and so I sent away for a little microphone from Allied Radio in Chicago. And uh, this little radio had a little antenna, and I could tune it to a frequency uh, on our radio uh, in our apart- our house, and I could uh, talk into it, and my parents could hear me ar- around the house. Well, now, we had a big shortwave antenna in the backyard that went out to the garage, and I fiddled around with it, and I found that if I hooked that little cord antenna from that little microphone, I could... Uh, broadcast for about six blocks. And uh, (laughs) so I was having a great time. I'm playing records. I'm reading news from a newspaper. And uh, it was just going great. I would ride around on my bicycle with a little transistor to see how far my little radio would go. I, I even had call letters. And I put a little sign up on the garage, much to my father's dismay. <laughs> and it was W-A-B-D, William Andrew Bill Deal. Ah, Those very, were my call letters. Very I, good. I had a little program guide I distributed to neighbors. And did, did you have listeners? Were they, did everybody have radios at that t- well, time? They, that they could... heard me, a few of them. They would listen. They thought it was kind of kooky that this, you know, 14-year-old kid Uh, was uh, playing radio. The one thing that did happen, uh, Mike, is that uh, there was a neighbor across the street who was a ham radio operator. And he knocked on our door once and my father answered. And he said, is is there a radio station here, Mr. Deal? And my father said, well, my son has this little thing that he's doing and everything. And the neighbor said, well, you know, he can be arrested because 
the FCC is going to come and get him. <laughs> my father ran into my bedroom where I had my little microphone set up, and he said, turn that damn thing off. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's how kind of it got started. So you started out in pirate radio then. You were a pirate radio. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's amazing. But then <laughs> at 15... You actually got a real gig, right? Well, we had a radio show, a teenage show at the local station, WCLI, 250 pots of water. But we did get out to the, you know, the uh, suburbs a little bit. But uh, so I was the announcer on the teenage show uh, on Saturday morning. And one day the station manager came down. And he said, hey, he said, uh, you got a pretty good voice. Uh, how would you like to work here? And I looked and I said, what, me? Yes, he said, we can use someone on weekends. That's the time nobody wanted to work at the station. Right. And I ran home, told my parents, and I remember my mother saying, she said, well, that's very nice, Billy, as she called me. But, you know, those people, they smoke and they drink. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if we should, uh, you know, let you get involved with them, but they let me do it. And before I knew it, I think it was December of uh, 56, uh, I got my third class license. If you remember what those sure, are. Sure, absolutely. I got my third class license so I could turn on the transmitter, I could do everything. And so there I am, they gave me my own radio show, The Bill Deal Show. And somehow, uh, I don't know why I did this. Maybe I was thinking that I was going to be a big announcer someday. So we had a little webcore tape recorder in the studio. And uh, so I taped my show one night. Well, greetings. And as per usual, those midnight blues of Nelson Riddle's orchestra have crept upon us. And we hope that the feeling is mutual on this Saturday evening in spring. For the time has come once again for us to kind of relax and take things nice and easy from now until the hour of 5 before 12. <laughs> Right now, it's exactly 11.30 Eastern Standard Time here in Corning, New York, and we've got 25 yet to go on the Bill Deal Show. But uh, first, let me remind you that this is your new sound in town, WCLI in Corning, New York, where you always hear the first word in news and the last word in music. That's all. That's all. that is all for another Saturday late date with music here on the Yours Truly Show. We hope that our music has helped to relax and soothe you. And we also hope that you'll make it a point to tune our way next week when once again we'll present more music for lovers and the young at heart right here on the Bill Deal Show. For it's me that you adore Oh, that's all.
And now stay tuned for the late news report and then the weather forecast for our area and portals of prayer which comes your way at midnight. Au revoir. WCLI AM and FM, Corning, New York. So I still saved it all these years later. Wow. Like, uh, you probably, you know, have heard some early things of your own career. Uh, my voice wasn't uh, like it is now, but... Uh, Hey, I wasn't bad. I knew how to run the equipment and play the play play the records. And and what kind of music did you play, Bill? Oh, I was playing the Great American Songbook. Okay. I wanted to play good music, and uh, I I had uh, I think it was Stan Kenton's "Jump for Joe," which was my theme song yeah. for that little show that I did, and uh, I also had Nelson Riddle, uh, which I loved, and. Uh, uh, he had a, a, a great record that, that he did called The Midnight Blues. And so I opened my show with The Midnight Blues. I had a little earlier show that I did that Jump for Joe, but Midnight Blues, it was so beautiful. Frank Sinatra, of course, did some of his greatest albums with, uh, with Nelson Riddle. Right. So you were 16, uh, and though, and it was 1956. You didn't, you didn't like the rock and roll that was happening at that time? No, I, I was not a rock and roll fan. Uh, I don't think uh, I didn't play rock and roll until I left Corning and went to uh, Ithaca and got a job at a small station there of WTKO. Jumping ahead here or going backwards a little bit, I graduated in 1958 from my high school in Corning. Right. And off I go to Ithaca College. But of course, I want to stay in radio. So I got in touch with the manager of the radio station, and he said, well, you know, you've got some background. Uh, we'll hire you. They hired college kids because the college was a college of communications, radio, and TV. We mm -hmm. had a little TV station at the college, one of the first in the country. So there I am, having a great time. I'm now on... A thousand watt station. I've gone from 250 watts to a thousand watts uh, at 1470 on the dial, and uh, I was I loved it. I was doing newscasts, and on Sunday morning, nobody wanted to work Sunday morning. Uh, I could uh, sign on the station, and there there I was spinning records on Sunday. Except the station manager called me. He said, Bill, you're not following the format. Uh-oh. This is a rock and roll station. He says, you can't play Barbara Streisand and Sinatra on, I don't care what day it is. <laughs> so I said to him, I said, Bob, I said, if you want someone else to work the Sunday morning shift, be my guest. He never called me again. Oh, and he let you play what you wanted? So I played whatever I wanted. Oh, that's great. And and I've got an air check of that, which I think uh, you have somewhere in your uh, piles of uh, goodies from the old days. Good morning to you all. It's 16 past the hour of nine. And this is Bill Deal with more music here on the Radio Roadshow. 
for this last day in May 1964. And a suggestion, if we may. Shall we begin? Here's Frank Sinatra to sing. We could go the distance When I dine Frank Sinatra on the morning show. When I dine Nineteen and a half after nine. When I dine Oh, that's fantastic. So... Well, you went to college at Ithaca, and, and you were working at that station. Then when you graduated, where'd you move from there? Well, I got married uh, in 1963. Uh, interestingly, of course, that was uh, quite, a, quite a year, yeah. the, uh, the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And uh, I even went out on the street in Ithaca. We had a little small tape recorder, and I interviewed people. Mm. Ithaca was a very metropolitan city, a town, Cornell, Ithaca College. So I interviewed some people and so forth. But my, the woman I fell in love with, uh, Diane, she was not graduating until a year later, 1964. So at that point, uh, after she graduated, I headed down to Washington, D.C. Diane wanted to get a degree, a master's degree in social work at Catholic University. So here I am. I left my $90 a week job at WTKO in Ithaca, and I have no job now. I'm, I've gone to Washington, D.C. So I start scouring around, and I got a job at WWDC. It's a 5,000-watt station in Washington. Actually, they were in uh, the suburbs, uh, Silver Spring, Maryland. But uh, Maury Povich was there. Remember okay. him? Sure, of course. Later, Maury had his own TV show, and he was very well-known. But they needed someone just to write newscasts for him. So I got myself a job. There I was. Not on the air now, but at least I'm making a few, few bucks. I didn't get on the air until a friend of mine from Ithaca College, who actually was room, I roomed with him for a semester, Chet Curtis. He was a little uh, older than I was, but he was already doing television and radio at the big CBS station, WTOP, in Washington. Okay. Chet called me up. He said, hey, there's an opening here for a morning newsman. Are you interested? Are you kidding me? 50,000 watts? Yeah. Right? The big CBS station. They had beautiful studios at, at uh, Broadcast House in Washington. So I went over, and Mike, I got the job. I was hired. So you went from 250 watts to 1,000 watts to 5,000 watts, and now 50,000 watts. Yeah. This is 1964-65. Wow. It was quite amazing. And I still kind of pinch myself when I look back at that time and say, did they real, really realize, you know, that I was kind of fresh out of, out of Ithaca, New York? Right. Now, they put you on the air on the TV station too, right? They did. In, uh, I think it was 1966, uh, the station manager said, we're starting a new newscast in the morning, uh, the mid-morning news 9.55 in the morning. 
and uh, you're going to do it. We're going to make you a TV star, Bill. All right. Uh, I said, oh, okay. So uh, we didn't have a teleprompter uh, uh, yet, so I had to read from a script. Uh, anyway, uh, I followed Ranger Hell, the kids' show, <laughs> and they put me in a little podium in the corner of the studio, and there I am reading the newscast on television using clips from CBS, whatever I could get my hands on, and uh, so I'm learning the ropes. Television 9 now brings you the mid-morning news with Bill Deal. Good morning, everyone. Three American cities saw racial violence during the night. By far the worst was in Cleveland, Ohio, where Negroes, by the hundreds, went on a rampage, many of them shouting black power. In the Vietnam War, two U.S. Marine platoons are reported to have fought off human waves of North Vietnamese troops for four hours as they covered the withdrawal of the rest of their battalion. The bloody fight occurred yesterday in the Steamy Mountains, 400 miles northeast of Saigon. The executive officer of that Marine battalion said they came in waves. There were a thousand of them speaking conservatively, and he adds, we didn't have over 300 Marines. Another Marine said everyone in our first squad of 14 men was hit except two. Astronauts Collins and Young are whirling around the globe today. During the night, they successfully rendezvoused and linked up with the Agena target vehicle. Late this afternoon, Collins will poke his head out of that spacecraft to conduct some experiments. Later on, he'll try a spacewalk. The weather, cloudy and hot, a 50% chance of rain today. High in the upper 90s, low tonight near 72. Clearing cooler on Wednesday. Right now, 79 degrees. Bill Deal, WTOP News. This has been the Mid-Morning News. For later developments in world and area news, watch Newsday today at 1 p.m. I did not at that point, uh, Mike, I did not think I was going to make it in television. Uh, I never thought I was a TV kind of guy, but, but I, I did it. Luckily, one of the uh, engineers taped my debut newscast. <laughs> it wasn't, uh, you know... Top of the line, but it was in glorious black and white. Wow. And, uh, so he gave me this big, big, huge reel of tape after I did the show. Well, you, you said that they didn't have teleprompters, but, you know, a lot of news guys back then didn't use teleprompters in 63, 64. I don't remember teleprompters until later on. We did have teleprompters with uh, the paper rolls. That, but that right. was for the big newscast, right. not, not for Bill Deal's <laughs> mid-morning news. Uh, so, Washington, then you move on to New York, right? Was that when you made the move to New York after that? Yeah, pretty much so. My uh, marriage was uh, coming apart, wasn't going great. And about that time, a friend of mine from Ithaca College, he was the uh, PR guy for WNEW in New York. Mm. which was then one of the great radio stations in the country, mm. independent radio station, with a 30-man news department. I mean, it was unbelievable. I used to listen to it when I was in Ithaca and Corning, those big 50,000-watt stations. This guy, Bernie, Bernie Ruttenberg, says to me, there's an opening here, Bill. Uh, it's going to be on the overnight, but it's going to be a couple days a week, and you're going to be making a lot of money just for a couple of days. Uh, Steve Bell, he said, is leaving the station. He's going to uh, 
ABC on television, which was then AM America, I think they called it. Mm. So he said, uh, come on up and audition. So I did. I came up, stayed at the, at the Y and uh, auditioned. And uh, the guy told me, uh, write a five minute newscast. I wrote it and I went back to Washington. I, I did a on the air audition in a little booth that they had. So I go back to Washington saying, well, it was a good try. And about two weeks later, this uh, guy calls me up. His name was Jack Plunsey. Uh, he uh, <laughs> stuttered. So he says, Bill, Bill, the deal? I said, yes. He said, Plunsey here. You want to work for us? I said, yeah, of course. How soon can you start? So January of 1967, I am now doing newscasts on one of the great radio stations of the country. Yeah, no kidding. WNEW. Yep. Yep. That's a Anytime, any place, any W. They had some of the greatest station breaks in the world. You know? I just I just admire that station so much. And they had some of the great disc jockeys, William B. Williams, uh, Ted Brown. Uh, you know, you, you can't get any better than that. Uh, Clavin and Finch was the great morning team at the station. And uh, the uh, 1130 was the, uh, the frequency. Right. What a station. Now, you were doing news exclusively? Yeah. Anchoring I newscasts. A newscaster. Yeah. But I'm writing my own newscast. So four and a half years at WNEW, right? Yeah. And then what what made you leave? The station was starting to go to different kinds of music. Uh, William B. Williams called it chicken rock. He hated it. But the station was starting to go downhill, and we're now uh, 1970s. And uh, several of our newscasters had already gone to ABC. Mm. So I got in touch with the vice president of news over there, and luckily they needed an opening. ABC had then split uh, Mike into four networks. Right. And the one that I got a job on was the entertainment network. Kind of misnamed, I always thought, but we were doing straight news on the, on the station, on the network. And uh, so here now, for the first time, my parents could hear me right. <laughs> up, in, up in Corning, New York, because there was a station there that carried ABC. So uh, uh, William B. was the last uh, newscast that I did, his make-believe ballroom. I did the newscast, and then Willie said goodbye to me. You're about to hear Bill Deal, and Jim Gash will be along too, but this will be Bill Deal's final newscast on WNEW, and I want you to make it a great one, Bill, because the whole world is listening. This is Bill Deal at WNEW Metromedia Radio in New York. Thank you, William B. An investigation is already underway into this morning's subway fire in a tunnel just south of Union Square. So far, though, the exact cause is not known. There were no reports of serious injuries, but several people were treated for smoke inhalation. 
Almost a thousand people were evacuated from trains that were stalled when the power was shut off. And that power shutdown didn't come soon enough, according to fire officials. Chief O'Hagan says that when the fire department requested that the power be turned off, 15 minutes went by before the TA complied. If the fire had been more serious, he said, lives could have been lost. On Wall Street at noon, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 3.65. And the weekend weather this afternoon, partly sunny and warm, a high in the mid-80s. Tonight, partial cloudiness. Low around 70. Tomorrow, a chance of showers. Variable cloudiness. High about 80. Outlook for Sunday, partly cloudy and cool. A chance of occasional showers. Right now, skies are partly cloudy. Humidity is 53. Wind southwest 11. And the temperature is 83. And uh, that, William B., uh, is it. If I may, uh, I'd like to thank all of you who called in and wished me well. And I'd like to thank everyone who's helped make uh, for a very pleasant stay here at the Big W for four and a half years. Especially you, William B. Are you leaving? I'm leaving. I didn't know that. No, seriously, Bill, congratulations. Not on your leaving, but on the fact that you're uh, moving along, and we wish you well wherever you go. Whatever obscure network you end up at, we, <laughs> we wish you well, Bill. Bill Deal, the last words he will say on WNEW, at least your closing thing, the market was up. Think of it that way, and that's a harbinger. I don't know what it's a harbinger of, but Bill Deal. So then it's on to ABC, and uh, you went to the ABC Entertainment Network. We had four networks. We had the Information Network, which was the, the big one, the newscast on the hour. Uh, we had the Contemporary Network. That was more for rock stations. Yeah, you're right. WABC in New York picked, uh, picked up that network. And uh, then they had the FM Network, which mm. was for the more serious stations. Right? Gotcha. Gotcha. Entertainment Network was supposed to be more family-friendly, lighthearted, mm. uh, but we had to do the serious, you know, news. Sure. Now you're at the network that you never left. Well, I, re I replaced a, a, an old-time radio guy named Bob Wilson. Uh, he was, had done television, and uh, I guess in the, his uh, September of his years, they put him on to do newscasts. He had a very soft voice. I'm Bob Wilson in New York, right? Here's a funny story. When I left WNEW and the news director said, uh, Bill, uh, we really are bringing in another guy. We want someone with a ballsier voice. So they brought in another guy, right? Yeah. So I go to ABC. I'm doing the morning newscast on the entertainment network. I did 6.30... 7.30 and 9.30. And the vice president of news comes in and he says to me, Bill, you're doing great here. We wanted a guy with a ballsier voice in the morning. And there he was. So now I'm at the big network, but we also had these programs that were a lot of uh, sidebars to doing newscasts. And I could find someone to do an interview with. If I wanted, it was up to me. Wow. Uh, and so I said to myself, oh, can I interview celebrities? And they said, yeah, fine, whatever you want to do. I got Robin Williams to do an interview. But I had to find him. He was doing a, a comedy club in New York. And I went to the club one night, met his manager, and uh, I said, 
I really want to, you know, interview Robin Williams on ABC. And he said, well, you know, he's very, very busy. I, I don't know. He says, give me your business card. We'll see. Two days later, I'm sitting in the newsroom at ABC. Phone rings. I pick it up. Bill, Robin Williams here. You still want to do the interview? I said, are you kidding me? No, no. He said, I'll be right over. Wow. Half an hour later, he's over. And we did the interview. One of the funniest interviews oh. you have ever heard. Do you do off-color humor? Oh, well, we, that's, we call it an unnatural act. Yeah, some of it is. It's some of it we can't even talk about right now. I can't even tell you what I'm touching right now. I see that people going, uh, what? A microphone. <laughs> what kind of comedy would you say you do? Is that, is that a tough thing to ask? Someone once called it a cesspool of consciousness. And when I'm performing live, I just it's more of a free form. Do you get nervous before you go on? Yes, even right now I'm nervous. <laughs> the pants fit now. Just before you walk on, just before they announce your name, you go, oh, everybody out, two exits, no waiting. You once said uh, being on stage is like legalized insanity. Sometimes it can be like a squirrel over the Grand Canyon saying, give up the nuts or die, though. That's when things aren't going too well. When did you start being a, a comedian? When, when did you know you really had something that audiences would love? Uh, I didn't really start performing until I was about 24. But when you were growing up... No, uh, I was a closet, no? <laughs> a closet comedian. <laughs> Just little props and things. <laughs> and I hid in the backyard. Yeah, right? Shh! What are you doing in the sun? Nothing, Dad! Your classmates in school, uh, I read, voted you most humorous and, and least, least likely, likely to, to succeed. succeed yeah. Is that, that right? <laughs> now, look at them now. <laughs> My revenge! They didn't know! <laughs> he came back to the high school, they told him. Friday the 14th, they didn't know. You do impersonations uh, every once in a while, don't you? Celebrities, <laughs> right? Oh, God. Peter Laurie's your favorite? He's my favorite because, you know, I would love to see him as Mr. Rogers. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> don't be afraid. We're going to do something very special now. Can you say hello? I can, but very slowly. Nicholson I love, because he just sounds so damn happy all the time. But you do like to do that, and it's it's fun. The audiences love it, don't they? Yeah, it's nice to duck in and out. Now do bizarre impressions. Used to do Kitty in a blender. <coughs> now Kitty on puree. <gasps> How cruel. I've heard it said that uh, Robin Williams has the comic timing of a Jack Benny and the body control of a Fred Astaire. Ooh, who is this person? <laughs> Did you ever hear that? Oh, Mr. Benny! You're quite a quiet guy. Mm -hmm. You don't really do all kinds of crazy things when you're home? Not at all. Bordering on catatonic. How are things at home these days? Wonderful. Very, very, very great. I have a ranch I live on now. Nancy and I are very happy. <laughs> or the coyotes that come up into the house going, send your cat out now, please. Are you still into science fiction? Oh, very much so. You must have loved E.T., didn't you? Oh, it was great. Ouch! Elliot, you're standing on my foot. I phone box office. Please hold. The E.T. was wonderful. I wonder if Gumby will be suing for fatherhood. <laughs> Are you my dad? If only Spielberg had known. Oh, did you cry? Yes, <laughs> it did. It got to me. Mafia hitman going, don't let him die. Where do you think your career is going to be uh, 10, 20 years from now? Do you ever oh. look ahead that far? <laughs> Never. <laughs> look ahead and go, oh, no. I don't know. Just I'll still be performing, hopefully, and doing films and have a family. <laughs> my son will be going, Dad, what do you really do? Do you ever worry you can't be funny anymore? Like like a few seconds ago. Sometimes I do. That's a comedian's nightmare, waking up going, The props are gone! It's gone! I, but seriously! Do you think you've changed uh, a lot over the years? Well, I, I enjoy lingerie now. <laughs> <laughs> People go like Mr. Williams. I have, yeah, I think I've mellowed a little. I think I've, um, 
I, I value, I mean, I've really realized the value of friends and family now. You got any fantasies? That <laughs> 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 we can talk about on radio. Yeah, a human car wash. I wanted that'd be this wonderful thing and Farrah Fawcett at one end carrying pom poms. I don't know. I have fantasies about what I'd like to see, you know. I don't know. The Nobel Prize for comedy, that'd be nice. I'd like to thank the Academy for developing the Segway. Is it tough for you to, to get around uh, no. on, in the streets, you know, and people recognize you? and They do, but, yeah, it's just like... How oh, do you handle I, all that? No, I don't know. Just be nice to people. You have to treat people the way you want to be treated, you know. At the end of the interview, I said, uh, Robin, uh, I have a program called Bill Deal Spotlight. Uh, would you do a little promo for it? He went off like you wouldn't believe. Hello, this is Robin Williams, and I'll be this week's guest on Bill Deal Spotlight. I, I hope you'll join us right here on this ABC station. Bill Deal? Big deal. Come on now. <laughs> join us. Hey, call me. We'll have breakfast, lunch, dinner. Please hold. Thank you. Howdy. This is Robin Williams. I hope you'll be listening for Bill Deal Spotlight right here on this ABC station. Billy Bob, Joe Jean, Carl, Joe Jeff. Squeal. Come on now, Betty. Get in the car. We're going to drive home. A little <laughs> promo. Right off the top of his head. 99.1 KLBP LP, Long Beach Public Radio. Hello there, Long Beach. This is Kenny Field, host of the Go Go Boots radio program here on KLBP. Check us out Monday nights, 9 to 11 p.m. and Friday mornings, 11 to 1, here on KLBP. You're listening to LA Radio Sessions on KLBP, Long Beach Public Radio. My name is Mike Stark. Let's return to our interview with ABC Radio Entertainment News veteran, Bill Deal. So it started, I, I'm suddenly, I'm, I'm loving doing showbiz. Right. Uh, I got Jerry Lewis to come in to do an interview. I provoked the split. There was no two ways about it. I got it on. We might have both been guilty for the, for the motivation and so on, but I really saw to whether it got done. I felt that the whole country knew that I had destroyed something they loved, and now... I'm certainly not going to be welcome in their home. That was just spectacular. And the network loved this stuff. They were putting out press releases. And nice quotes from my interviews were showing up in newspapers, United Press International and so forth. And uh, I'm, I'm suddenly realizing I don't really want to do news anymore. I like this. This yeah. is great. So that was the seedling of your entertainment reporting. Then. It really was. So here we are in the early 80s now, and uh, our vice president of news comes in to me, and he says, uh, we're sending you out to do the Academy Awards. I said, me? I said, I'm a newscaster. I'm a newsman. No, no, he says, Jeannie Wolf out in L.A. You might remember that name. Oh, yeah, of course. Jeannie Wolf was doing our Oscar coverage but she wanted more money. I was already on staff at the network, so they didn't have to pay me extra, except, you know, airfare to send me out sure, there. Sure, of course. So 1982, I think that, uh, I'm trying to remember the, the big movies that were up that year. Uh, E.T. was one of them. And so they send me out, and I, I was really up disturbed because I didn't know if I could handle this. And the news manager said, we're sending you with an engineer and a producer. I said, what? 
Not, I mean, boy, this is network, man. Yeah. Right? Big time. So here I am out in L.A., and I'm on the red carpet interviewing all of these stars that I dreamed about in other years up close and personal. Robert Redford, Jane Fonda, Cher. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't beat that stuff. No, that's great. And, you know, I didn't know the beginnings of your entertainment reporting career. And it sounds to me like you are the one that developed the idea of even doing entertainment news for ABC. Is that, is, is that a fair thing to say? That, that's pretty, uh, pretty correct. By the mid-80s, they loved so much of what I was doing. I was still doing some newscasts, by the way. But it wasn't until 85 that they made me a full-time entertainment correspondent. And uh, the, the chief entertainment correspondent for the, all the networks. What I'm miffed about is that they didn't think of that before. They didn't think that interviewing celebrities might be a good, good idea. You know? I, uh, it sounds silly, but they did not have any program like that. They, they even gave me a program, Bill Deal Spotlight, right. 90 seconds every day. And I am interviewing all of these, these incredible people. I could just call them into the studio uh, and get in touch with their publicist. And uh, every, everybody from Sean Connery to Lauren Bacall, uh, uh, I, Tom Hanks, uh, it doesn't get any better than that. And, and, uh, and of course, they want it because ABC is a big network that gets a lot of coverage throughout right. the country. If they're peddling something, that's, that's the best way to get yeah. it out there. But they, they suddenly realized that, that I was getting great publicity for the network. Of course. They were putting out press releases uh, about my show. And, and my quotes were showing up in newspapers. And then I started doing movie reviews. And my name would show up in newspapers. Right. And, uh, and they love that stuff. Uh, it, it just doesn't get any better than that. No, that's... I right. mean, here, here I am from that little radio station in Corning and my little makeshift uh, pirate station that you right. mentioned. Right. And I am broadcasting from the network all over the country. And I'm, they're sending me out to the Academy Awards uh, every year they were doing it. I think I covered Academy Awards up until 2007. I was fortunate enough to be able to spend some of those Academy Awards with you as your engineer. So That, that is true. And I, uh, for a while, of course, I had, when I first started, I had an engineer with me, Mary Lou Kroll. She went with right. me to go out to the Academy Awards. But... Uh, then it uh, turned into a different situation where they didn't want to pay to send an extra person or a producer. And so I was on my own pretty much. Right. And I had to put together my own little feature pieces and do my own editing. Yeah. And uh, you, I think, uh, engineered some of the Oscars backstage. Yes. And, and I think was, an Emmy or two as well. Right. Uh, or the Golden Globe Awards, maybe. Yeah. But we were doing all of that, and I was like a one-man band, pretty much. You definitely were. They, yeah. you, didn't, you know, and then occasionally they would uh, have Jane Platt help you out, or I don't know how, how you divided the work, but you'd both be doing stuff, right? 
I remember, and the reason uh, Jane Platt comes to mind, uh, I, I was outside uh, of, uh, of, <laughs> of the uh, auditorium before the show started, and I'm interviewing people on the street, and Jane yelled at me, Bill, look out, there's a horse coming down the street. <laughs> there's a police horse, and I'm standing there in the middle of the street. She always says she saved my life from getting run down by a horse. That's funny. But uh, no, that was that was fun. But uh, then after I we covered the backstage stuff after the Oscar show, then I would go back to the hotel, get a little sleep, wake up in the early morning, and head out to Burbank, where you would be. Yeah, working you on were, a different you show. Were doing, <laughs> you were doing engineering for a, another show at the, the studio next door. The Tom Joyner morning show. Right. Yeah. And I would be in my little uh, studio next door. And every once in a while, of course, I had to come to you for assistance, trying to figure out what to do and get uh, some of my stuff together. So uh, you, could... you had it together pretty well. Uh, oh, I... and, and you would report to affiliated stations throughout the country from that little perch, right? Right. They would, they would uh, their morning shows would uh, contact me. And of course, you know, we're live, which is nice. And we would contact uh, these stations and they would say, so Bill, uh, hey, it was pretty exciting last night, wasn't it? Uh, any, uh, any big stories coming out of there? And so... I had to just, you know, play, play with it and have fun. And, and I don't think you remember this, but at one point I was producing a morning show in Long Beach that was an ABC affiliate. And I don't know what the event was, but we used you, we, we, we used you on our show uh, oh, when God. I was producing that show. <laughs> I forget what the event was. It, it probably wasn't the Oscars because I don't think, you know, it was a heavy Could metal station. Globes it, or, uh, it's hard or to say. Enemies? Maybe I can't remember, no. but I, I do remember we, we had the satellite hookup at the station and we hooked up and we had you on our, on our air at, at KNAC. So that was, that was wild. Yeah. yeah. Once I uh, interviewed uh, Steve Allen, and I think I interviewed Steve Allen twice, and I always admired him. Mm. And he came into the studio with a, a little mini tape recorder. And I said, what's that for? He said, well, I, I might say something good, he said, that I can remember for my next book. Oh, <laughs> and that's a smart way to do it, I, I guess. Sean Connery came into the studio, and we had a whole... Uh, bunch of CBS people with him. Uh, they were doing a day in the life of Sean Connery, CBS was. Mm. And they had an engineer, uh, they had a producer and a camera crew. And so we started to go into the studio to do the interview. And the camera crew producer said, Mr. Connery, uh, we didn't quite get that good shot of you and Bill going into the studio. Uh, could, could we do that over again? And he glared at her and he says, this is his program. If we have time, we'll do it later. How do you like I, that? I always admired Sean Connery for that. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, it doesn't, doesn't get any better than that. Now, we've talked about a few of the encounters you've had. Can you give me like a couple of the most memorable celebrity interviews or encounters that you've had over the years? Stephen King. 
the, okay. the great writer. Oh yeah, tell and, me about uh, that. There's a there's a story in in my in my book uh, with with Stephen King. He was uh, promoting a movie called Maximum Overdrive. Oh yeah, uh, uh, it was a horror picture. But I said to him, uh, "How would you describe the film, uh, Stephen?" He said, "Well, he said it's a moron movie." I said, "What?" <laughs> He said, my idea of a moron movie is check your brains at the door. Let the movie roll over you. Uh, there's, there's, well, I'm just reading here for a couple of quotes here. Uh, he lived up in Maine, you know. He had a home up there. He right. almost died once. He was uh, riding his bicycle, and he was hit by a, a truck or something. And he, and he, al he almost died. He says, uh, writing movies is like skating. Everything is on the surface. Books are like swimming. Sometimes you drown, but at least you're wet all over. Hey, Stephen, want to leave our listeners with something? Well, he said, I could tell them we're having a pretty good time considering we're going to die someday. <laughs> <laughs> words, to, words to live by. Yeah, no doubt about it. Any others that you come well, to I mind? Well, I got to meet some, you know, some, some really big uh, rockers, I guess. I interviewed Paul McCartney once. Oh, wow. And uh, not, it didn't really produce a lot of great stuff, except when I said to him, you know, I said, well, what, what has it been like? Look at, look at you. Look at the Beatles. He said, Bill, we were just kids. We were just kids trying out. Look where it went. Yeah. So uh, it, that didn't turn out to be great. But, uh, but I, one of my big faves was Jane Fonda. I always wanted to interview Jane. But I interviewed her a couple of times, and uh, I, my wife knew that I always loved her in Barbarella. That was my favorite Jane who, Fonda movie. Who didn't? Who didn't, right? <laughs> and, and so my, wife's, my wife, I was always joking about how I'd love to, you know, really make it with Jane Fonda. <laughs> and my wife jokingly once said, well, if, if uh, you could ever get, get to a situation like that, she said, you can have her for a night. Oh, you got a pass then. Beautiful. So her manager called me up once and said, Bill, that interview that you wanted to do, uh, it's going to happen. Uh, Jane is staying at uh, a hotel, the Regency in New York, uh, but uh, she's going to be just by herself. I can't get over there for the interview. So I told my wife about it, and she <laughs> said, I take it all back. <laughs> there you that's go. Good. That's great. That's Me great. Me and Jane. Okay, I got to ask you this one, too. Anything go completely south? In other words, any interview go completely bad? I mean, you've had a, a long career. There's got to be a couple of interviews that went the wrong direction. Yeah, a, a, a few of them. Um, Christy Nicholson came in, and I think she was kind of on drugs or something. She was, she was pretty bad. Joel Gray came in, and all of the answers were like, yes, no, right. That's, that's, that's pretty good, right. Terrible interview. He didn't want to Great be there. performer. Yeah, no, he didn't want to be there. He was sent there by a publicist or somebody, right? Yeah, yeah. Cher was delightful. She gave me all the answers I wanted. You know, I had no problem with that. Uh, most celebrities, they, they want to be nice to you. Right. It's, they're promoting something. Even Lauren Bacall was nice. She came into the studio 
and she was, after the interview, she was so enamored with all of the technical stuff at the station, she said, you know, my son would love to work at a, a station or a network. Are there any openings here? Oh, that's funny. What a beauty she was, though, huh? Yeah, Mary even... Tyler Moore. They slept in twin beds. <laughs> and she wore pajamas all the time. Anytime you saw these two get up in the middle of the night, she was in pajamas, buttoned right up to her neck. Mm. Uh, Carol Burnett, uh, just so so many wonderful, wonderful people. I, I love George Carlin, by the way, and I, I'm so d sad that he's no longer with us. Carlin told me, he said, you know, life is a big game. It's a circus. It's a dumb comedy parade. This whole humankind, it's meaningless. There's no man in the sky watching us, and we're all running around trying to buy salad shooters and sneakers with lights on them. How about Elvis Presley, uh, George? And the anniversaries of his death, Carlin told me, well, he seems bigger than he was in life. Bigger, perhaps, even physically. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of Elvis, did you, mm. did you cover Elvis's passing? I did not. My wife and I were on Martha's Vineyard. We had rented a, a, a small house there. It was 1977. Yeah. And so I, obviously I couldn't do anything. But I had gone to Memphis several times when they were celebrating Elvis, uh, those big anniversaries. Sure, sure. Yeah. And so that was a lot of fun. My uh, sister-in-law went with me. She was a huge Elvis fan. And so uh, we'd fly down. We'd do live shots and everything. And uh, Oh, I bet that was a blast. We, we got a private tour of uh, the mansion. And my sister-in-law... Uh, we're at the meditation garden at uh, right. Graceland. Yeah. And we went on this private tour. And after the tour, my sister-in-law said, uh, you know, I left something there. I said, what? My wedding ring from my, my previous marriage. On purpose, she left it there? On purpose. She wanted, she wanted to make sure, I guess, that, uh, that uh, the marriage was over. She was wow. divorced. And she left it in the dirt there, the meditation garden. That's a great story. I don't know if that's a good story, but... <laughs> no, it is. Okay, a couple other things, and then we'll wrap things up. First of yeah. all, I have to... I was going to mention this earlier, but you've had this long, long career in broadcasting, and it, it sounds like you've been able to get through this entire career in broadcasting without getting fired. And that is a rarity in this business. You're right. Somebody, somebody reminded me, Mike, the other day that I have 65 years in the business. Right. That's scary to think. 65, and I'm 80 years old. And, of course, if you go back in 15, when I was 15, right. right, there it is. But I hadn't, no one ever put that together for me. But you, Until, you were never fired in a business where firing is just like a regular thing. The other thing I, I wanted to ask you about, and again, you were in the entertainment area, so you, it, may, you know, it may not have affected you as much, but uh, do you have any memories of like 9-11? It was such a big day for everyone in the world. 9-11 meant so much to everybody. It, it sure is. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I were home in the morning 
when the news started to come on television. And believe it or not, we had a view. We're on the 32nd floor of a high rise in Manhattan. We're still in the same apartment. Mm. And uh, we could look downtown and see some smoke coming up from one of the World Trade Center towers. Right. And uh, so, of course, I realized this is, a big, this is something big. So I took the elevator down and took my tape recorder with me, and I headed across town to the ABC studios on the west side of right. Manhattan. And as I am walking along, I see people coming uptown who had walked all the way from the World Trade Center, and they were covered in dust. Mm. And I described them as being like ghost people. It was an unbelievable scene to see that. And then we went back to our studios, and the rest is history. I did some special reports and coverage and everything. But uh, I was not down there. We did have a few people downtown who were there, mm -hmm. and we did live coverage on television and radio from those people. But it was something we will never forget. Never forget. It's just it's such, such a memory, a sad memory of so many people. But as a newsman, you immediately went into news mode, it sounds like. Yeah, you have to. Uh, and every once in a while, I, had, I covered a few blackouts. And every once in a while, it's nice to get out there and use your news chops, so to speak. Right. You know? What about uh, the other one that many in my generation uh, remember and will always remember where we were and everything was when John Lennon was murdered? I wasn't involved in that, uh, but uh, I did do uh, some special reports about John Lennon. And then I, later I went to the Strawberry Fields, which is where Yoko uh, you know, dedicated it to her husband. And uh, I went there and did some interviews. And I, I wrote a feature piece about my memories of uh, John Lennon. Right. But that was, a, that was about the, the most that I did. I will leave you with, with one thing. Uh, at WNEW, uh, one of my great colleagues was the morning show man, Gene Clavin of Clavin and Finch. And he dedicated uh, a book. And he said to me, he said, if you never write a book, there's a good possibility that no one will ever find out the truth about you. But if you do not write a book, there is also the possibility that no one will ever find out about you at all. <laughs> so that's, that's what uh, is the ending of my book, Stay Tuned, My Life Behind the Mic. Uh, it's, it's just been a great ride, Mike, uh, but I'm still in the game uh, doing obituaries now, which is kind of strange. Sid Caesar was a genius at pantomime and dialects. He hit it big on TV in the 1950s on your show of shows, creating hilarious characters, spoofs, and sketches, often with Emma Jean Coca. Carol Burnett says Caesar was her idol. It was just the improvisation, the commitment that he made to things, and, and the satire, the takeoffs that they did. And that's when I really started to fall in love with television. Asked once how he wanted people to remember him, Sid Caesar told me. A man that made people laugh and gave him some happiness. And as a human being, that's all. The most you could be is a good human being. The rest is gravy. Bill Deal, ABC News. But I, en I enjoy it. So how, do you, how, how does that work? Do you go into the studio or do you do them from home? Yes, or? I have a, uh, an editor and a producer, and she will say to me, Bill, 
uh, we we need an obit uh, on so and so. Right. But doing obits when I first started, uh, everybody said to me, "Oh, that sounds sounds morbid." Yeah. But I'll tell you, they are fun to do. And I I interviewed Carl Reiner. How old do you have to be to be legendary? Is there an age limit? I think you have to have done three important things. And I I figured out what those three important things were. I've done the the Dick Van Dyke show. I did the show of shows. And then I did the thing called the 2,000-year-old man. I've done little pictures in between that work. But I think the thing they remember you for most, you have to have three of them. And that makes you a legend. Either that or some publicist just decides, let's call them legendary. And it will make them more important in the eyes of the nation. I interviewed Jerry Lewis. I interviewed some of these great, great people, Regis Philbin. And uh, when they died, I already had done their obit. And, and Carl Reiner was one of those great ones. And I, what, huh? what was he, about 95 or something yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. there are a few very old people who are still there waiting for me to say goodbye to them. Right, and you've got sound on them because you interviewed them initially, which is awesome. Hey, this has been so much fun. Yeah, no, this has been great, Bill. And uh, your book, people can still get your book, right? Let's try well, and sell can, a couple of books. It's, but it's going to be a little expensive. I did see it on Amazon the other day, and it's selling, selling for about 20 bucks. So I guess it's still there. And what's know, the name I, of the book? The book is called Stay Tuned, My Life Behind the Mic. And it came out in 2017, a couple years ago. But it's, uh, it's still out there. And I'm working on a new one, too. Oh, you are? Yeah. What's it's called Who Said That? And it's a lot of the people that did not make the Stay Tuned book. Oh. So if, I, if I'm lucky, I can get this uh, finished uh, by the end of the year. Excellent. Excellent. Bill, you know I love you, man. I, I always loved working with you. And this has been icing on the cake to be able to do this with you. And thank you, you so and, much. You and me together again. Yes, one more time. But how do we want to end this? I'm Bill Deal, ABC News Radio. There you go. Yeah, give me the good lockout. Absolutely. <laughs> give, give me another lockout and I'll use it. I'm Bill Deal, ABC News Radio, New York. Many thanks to Bill Deal for joining us on LA Radio Sessions. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. Drop us a note at mike at laradiostudio.com or visit our LA Radio Sessions Facebook page. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned. More to come.